This is Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today in my tiny apartment in San Francisco, and our guest joining us today is Melissa Pinion. Hi, Tatiana. How are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us remotely from SoCal today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> For any first-time listeners out there, our purpose is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things. I typically invite them into my home, cook a meal, and then we eat together and chat about their careers and how they got where they are today. Today, Melissa's joining us remotely, so over here in San Francisco, we're enjoying butternut squash and carrot soup. So, Melissa. Well, <laughs> yes. Can you start by telling us a little about what you're doing currently and your career history up until this point? Okay, great. Well, I currently work as communications manager for a community college in the Inland Empire region of Southern California. We serve roughly 29,000 students a year. It's considered a Hispanic-serving institution, meaning that we have around roughly 50,000, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> 50% Latino students in our student population. So I've been doing this at the current college that I'm working at. I've been here for about three months. Prior to that, I worked for a private college called the University of Laverne. I was there for four oh. years. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I worked 18 years as a, a journalist for Southern California newspapers, covering mostly breaking news. That's amazing. So it sounds like you probably studied some kind of um, writing or communication in college then? Yes. So I went to Cal State San Bernardino. And I also wanted to mention that I am a graduate of community college. So I'm a big believer in that. And so it's kind of that's why it's kind of cool that I'm currently working at a community college. But anyway, I received an associate's degree from San Bernardino Valley College, and I transferred to Cal State San Bernardino, where I majored in communications. Um, and so I obtained that degree and uh, went directly into working in newspapers. That's great. So I guess that's that's really fascinating to me. I've always kind of liked the idea of investigative reporting. So did you, I, it sounds like you covered breaking news, but what was your, I guess, favorite part of that job, if you had a favorite part? Well, I think in general, working breaking news is, is a great, is probably one of the best beats to have. Investigative journalism is great, but it's it's also very challenging because it's very time consuming. You have to build relationships with people, earn their trust, and and that's a long-term process because you really can't get the dirt out of people if they don't know you well or don't trust you well. Mm -hmm. But the thing about breaking news is you really just don't know what you're going to encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. When you come in in the morning, you may encounter a a brush fire. The next day you might be on a meth lab explosion. You know, the next day there may be a homicide scene. So I liked the variety of, of the work that it was kind of an unstable environment that, you know, you were kind of always on the edge of your seat, not really knowing what's going to happen one day or the next. So that was really mm -hmm. great. And I got to cover a lot of really interesting things. It sounds like uh, the timeline was also around the time that journalism was going through a change as well, like, you know, maybe moving from before social media to, you know, news outlets being uh, or heavily using social media. So were you there during that kind of transition? Right. So when I started in journalism in the mid 90s, it was kind of just when the internet was starting to really take off. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, I at the beginning, I can remember conducting research on different things using really old, ancient things like crisscross directories and things that aren't used anymore, like Thomas guides and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so now a journalist is, you know, it's it's not just a journalist's job anymore just to write stories. Now we're, you know, and I still say we're because I felt like I was in it for so long. But, mm-hmm. you know, now a journalist is expected to be at the scene of a live event, you know, shoot video, take photos, live tweet, post on Facebook, mm-hmm. do all of these things at the same time. It's just a really, it's a really different dynamic uh, change in the industry, yeah. but it's really exciting at the same time. For sure. So I guess what made you want to go from being in that ex- kind of exciting life of journalism to maybe more a more structured role, which is what you have now? At least it sounds like it might be more structured. <laughs> yeah, very, very. Um, I, this And this might be amusing to you. When I interviewed for my job, they asked me what was what was the most stressful you know, time, what was the most stressful experience you faced in your previous job? And I told them point blank, I work in a city that has 50 homicides a year. It's pretty much on a daily basis. And they thought that was funny, but you know, it's like, so some people would disagree with me about it, but I think working in breaking news is kind of a young man's game or young woman's game. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's really high stress and it's, it's really punishing to you mentally and physically, and then, you know, the second factor, of course, is with all of the changes that are going on with journalism, with regard to social media and all that stuff, there's also been a really heavy strain on print journalism and actually video, television broadcasting and radio as well. You know, and I was for a company that was, you know, constantly dealing with budget issues and consolidation Uh, layoffs and mandatory furloughs and those sorts of things. Mm. So there wasn't a lot of security in my future. And I felt at a certain point I kind of reached, you know, my, my career had become very stagnant. So I was looking Mm. for a change, something that I could actually move up in and grow and, and make more money, you know? Yeah. makes sense. So I guess, what are you, what, uh, what are you responsible in your role for now? Are you kind of the PR person for the, for the college or, are you more on the marketing side? So our department does both. It's okay. a uh, it's called the Department of Marketing and Public Relations. Mm. I the uh, I'm the assistant to the director of marketing and public relations, and uh, basically she she looks at you know the vision and and uh, works with the higher up administrators to you know determine initiatives and direction and, and things like that. And I just sort of take what she needs mm-hmm. and do and I'm basically her foot soldier. So I do a lot of writing for the president. I work with the media. I write press releases to let them know about things going on mm-hmm. with our campus or accomplishments for of our faculty, students, etc. So it's really mm-hmm. it's similar to what I did at the University of Laverne. It's it's a very fulfilling job. Oh. I thought that public relations, just to kind of as a side note, I thought mm-hmm. that you know public relations was going to be, and everybody and everyone in journalism kind of says that it has that fear that it's going to be considerably more boring than working in journalism. And at first, I was kind of like, oh my god, is this it? You know, because there were a lot of moments where there was downtime, mm. and I thought, well. I, you know, but after a while, it would pick up. It would be busy in different ways. It wasn't like this constant barrage of 
of monitoring news and monitoring police radios and all that. It was just a, a different kind of thing. And so we were conscious of, you know, things like enrollment or the first day of school or finals or, you know, those are the sorts of things that get us excited now. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Well, speaking of writing and communications, but like in a different kind of universe. So I I would like us to talk a little bit about what you do when you're not at at your day job. And I think that this is pretty significant in your life. So I didn't want to save it for the hidden talents portion of the episode. So did you want to talk about music? Sure. Yeah. So it kind of goes back to when I was in high school. My, My mom bought a piano. And, you know, she basically said, you and your brother are going to learn how to play piano. Okay. You know, and (laughs) at the time I was listening to heavy metal and, you know, doing my own thing. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. I don't want to do this. You know, but I took two years of lessons and it was great. And and then I just sort of went on my merry way and went off to college and all that stuff. And then I got married to a musician and, you know, he was playing gigs and all that stuff. And I'm like, God, that looks like fun. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, and so that's kind of where it led to getting a vocal coach and, you know, getting over the fear of, of singing in front of people and learning how to book shows and deal with booking agents and learning how to market a band and build a website and all of that stuff. So, yeah. you know, what was cool about that is it gave me a skill set that I've kind of also used in public relations. So mm-hmm. everything kind of overlaps. I try and, you know, use things in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. So. So that's so that's the band thing. I uh, essentially I've been doing uh, live music for about twenty five years now. Most recently, I've I'm in a, a tribute act. It's not to a specific band. We we tribute hard rock, and the band's called Without Warning. And then I also in in the early spring joined a doom metal band called Stitching Crown, mm-hmm. um, and that's so that's brand new. Um, we're hoping to put out uh, our first release spring next year. Awesome. Yeah. And I think there are already, I think you guys have a demo that's available online, right? Because I've listened yes. to about like, I think four songs, three songs, a couple songs. Yeah, we have, <laughs> right, right. We have three songs okay. and, um, and that's available on uh, Bandcamp, Stygian Crown, S-T-Y-G-I-A-N-C-R-O-W-N.bandcamp.com. Cool. Yeah. And I'll link that on, on our website and link Great. it to this episode. So people can check it out. But yeah, I I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that, you know, your your mom wanted you to play piano. And then there's that like classic element because your voice to me reminds me of like a more like, um, like melodic metal, I guess. I don't I'm not a like a metal expert by any means, but like it reminds me of like the really kind of I hope this is not offensive, but like. Because I don't know if he's lame or not to people, but I think he's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, But like Sebastian Bach, like his kind of voice, you know, it's almost like a musical theater. Like it could go, it could like exist in like different genres. Like he's a metal singer, but he's also, I think he played Phantom of the Opera. (laughs) Yeah, he's done Broadway. Yeah, Yeah, so. He's he's pretty amazing. That guy, Mm -hmm. that guy is really amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, so to kind of. Uh, springboard off that Mm -hmm. i mean i've done pretty much any genre you can imagine over the years you know because you know i've done i've done top 40 which pretty much calls for anything you can imagine from pop music to blues to soul to you know so i can i can pretty much sing anything from etta james to rage against the machine you know Mm -hmm. so you have to be very versatile and and so that's kind of interesting that you mentioned him 
but he's yeah, yeah he's super amazing cool so yeah thank yeah. you yeah <laughs> okay good i'm glad that uh that was that you're, that was fine yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could have um, gone the other way I yeah suppose, right <laughs> <laughs> Talk a little bit about the moment that you felt that you broke into your industry or role. And maybe we could talk about this from, you know, your communications career, but also maybe your singing career, if you want to call it a career. I don't know. <laughs> but you've been doing well, it for a long time. So it's kind of your second career, I think. <laughs> I, I guess it depends on your definition of career. Like right. I'm really not making any money off okay. of it, right? So, sure. but I mean, it's, I guess you would call it a long-term hobby. There you um, go. Um, but in terms of, in terms of public relations, so I kind of define, I guess what I've kind of defined success as is, is when, when you realize that people are really depending on you. And, um, when I moved into public relations, um, I had been in journalism for so long that I was still getting calls years later from sources and cops and, just, you know, lawyers and, and random people that I dealt with in my journalism career while I was working in PR, I'd get calls from them asking about this story, that story, you know, other things. I'd get calls from television documentaries doing a follow-up story on this unsolved homicide and they wanted a, an opinion or background on this case, that case, or the other case. And then the same with uh, public relations. You know, after I left the University of Laverne in two, 2018, you know, I, I still, uh, months later, I'm getting calls from faculty and, and uh, people from from that school asking for advice or who to talk to at the university to, you know, get get publicity on on the event that they're they're putting out. So mm -hmm. to me, I think that that's that that's a good way to measure success is that people have grown to depend on you. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I've kind of come into that zone where I'm at in terms of PR. That's great. And then it sounds like, you know, as far as being a lead singer in bands, did you just naturally, I guess, feel comfortable doing that? Do you feel like you've grown in the last 25 years that you've been in bands? Or has there been a moment that you felt maybe like, I don't know, like an imposter or something? And now you're like, okay, now I'm that like the expert at this? <laughs> no, I still don't feel like I'm an expert at it. Okay. I mean, it's it's you're always growing. And I mm -hmm. think anybody that feels like they've reached the point where, you know, they're awesome and, you know, nobody could touch them. I think that they're really doing themselves a disservice because you should always learn. You should always try and experience new things. And yeah. and that's what I'm always trying to do. Like in the last two years, I, I've been trying to teach myself guitar, you know, oh, cool. just because like I had this dream, I'm, you know, and it may still happen. I don't know. But I, I have this dream to, to start my own tribute band to Joan Jett. Oh, um, fun. you know, and of course uh -huh. it would require, it would require me to get a wig and, and that sort of thing, but, <laughs> but it also requires learning it, you know, that's one of the things that goes along with being in a tribute is wearing a wig, but yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, but it requires learning guitar and, you know, I've got zero, zero knowledge of guitar. And, uh, I have, like I mentioned that the piano experience, I've been playing mm -hmm. keyboards and bands for many years, but no guitar. 
So that's a learning experience. And, you know, so anyway, that was a long way of saying that you should always, always, always find ways to to get better at your craft. Yeah, that's great. So along your journey, either in your communications career or with music, did you have a mentor and are you now a mentor to others? In 2008, when the recession hit, things were really, really bad in my career in journalism. I mean, I mentioned earlier that people were being forced to take furloughs. There were people that had been with the company for decades and decades that were laid off all of a sudden. And they had, you know, families that they had to take care of and stuff and all of a sudden didn't have jobs. So I'm like, you know, screw this. I don't want to do this anymore. And so, but the problem was, is how do you land a new career in the middle of a recession? Basically what happened was it took me six years of hard pavement pounding, going on interviews, becoming like, you know, landing in the top three candidates only to be passed over for somebody else who had more experience, six solid years of going on job interviews. And I finally walk into the University of Laverne and I'm interviewed by, you know, the director of public relations there, who's an Mm -hmm. alum at that university as well. And she gave me a shot. And I consider her my mentor to this day because she's one of these supervisors that's that, you know, strikes this balance of, you know, knowing her stuff and knowing when to be forceful, but knowing also not when to not micromanage. Mm -hmm. And I've worked with many, many supervisors who did not know how to do that. And so she's been really good in terms of nurturing my career in, in public relations she was my boss at the University of Laverne, and she's my current boss at the community mm. college that oh, I'm wow. working at. She actually recruited me to go to the new the place that I'm currently working. Cool. So I've, I've uh, followed her. <laughs> it's kind of cool. And in terms of me mentoring, I really haven't had a whole lot of opportunity to do that because I'm so busy. But mm-hmm. when I was at the University of Laverne, I had a student worker, and she was a uh, public relations uh, marketing student. And I believe she's working for a nonprofit now. But I kind of worked with her on teaching her, you know, how to write concisely, you know, just mainly working on her writing and just kind of inviting her to shadow me on different things, covering events, working with the press, things like that. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, and I certainly hope that that kind of gave her a better idea of what she would be facing in her in her career. Yeah. And I'm hoping for more opportunities like that. Mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've met with the student newspaper uh, folks at at my current job and you know, just kind of, I tell them stories about my journalism career and stuff like that. So that's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yep. I guess, so you kind of alluded to it maybe already, but um, the next question is what was your biggest career obstacle so far slash shittiest moment? So you kind of talked mm-hmm. about the six year period where you were looking for a job or applying for jobs. Yes. So do you think that would be it? Yeah, that was most definitely it. Okay. I mean, it was, yeah. it was a hard time. And I'll, and I'll kind of, uh, you know, embellish on that a little bit. But, you know, it seemed like the, the, the problem with being in journalism and, and, and going on job interviews is you show up for the job interview and you see the people you're up against. And there are other people that you sit with in the newsroom, right? Because there's oh. this natural progression of journalists to go into public relations because both careers entail a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, it was really, it was really rough. You know, I would show up, there was one, I actually went and took some college classes to be more qualified for one position that I was hoping to get and didn't get. And the, 
people that I was up against. One was an internal candidate. One was a television reporter who was very high profile, and, and I was almost certain she was going to get it. And then me, a print journalism uh, person, and the internal candidate got it. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, there have been other jobs. You know, there was another job that I tried for. It was a, it was a county position, which would have been really sweet to get, but uh, I ended up losing it to one of my colleagues on the breaking news desk. So yeah, that was a hard time. But I mean, I you know, I think that everything happens for a reason. And so you know, I did not get those other jobs, but I got this job. And working in higher ed is just phenomenal mm-hmm. because every day, you know, I'm encountering students who are just at this point in their lives where they're just, you know, at the fork in the road of their lives and they're going to yeah. make a decision whether to go this way or this way. And it's a real pivotal moment. And I tell people this in all the interviews that I've, I've gone on in, in higher ed is that this is just the key point to be in the mix of things. This is, this is the, this is where the great stories are made. Yep. I think. Yeah. Well, on the, the opposite end of the spectrum, what do you think your your biggest opportunity or best moment has been so far? You know, I saw that question and I wasn't really sure how to answer it. I mean, basically getting like the you know, the story I mentioned about my my current boss and her giving me the opportunity after all of the all of these interviews that I had gone on. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was definitely my best moment. I remember that there were two there were two phases. There was one interview with her. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a panel involving her. And then, then I had to come back for a second interview. And, and in the background during all of this stuff, I had just lost my father. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, you know, it was like this huge challenge because he lived in Mississippi, clear cross country. So I had to close his, I had to put his house on the market. I had to sell everything that was in his house. I had to I had to deal with a probate attorney. All of this stuff was going on while I was interviewing for this job. So yeah. the fact that I was doing that, I sat through this interview. I got through, you know, the second interview with the vice president of strategic enrollment. And before I could even get home, I was still on the freeway driving home. I get a call from this from the person who would become my boss and said, "You have the job." So I'd say that that was that was most definitely uh, probably one of the most. Uh, uh, how did you put it again? The most well, um, best, mo- like biggest opportunity slash best yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that was be- probably the best moment in my career. show, I also like to highlight what I call hidden talents. So things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or are necessarily work related. So there's, I think a couple things. I think one of the things was you've written a couple of sci-fi novels, and I don't know if you want to talk about that, but you're also involved in animal rescue. Okay. I could talk about both things. The, the, okay. the, the, uh, the novels probably less so because I haven't been doing a whole lot of that lately because I okay. just don't have time, but yeah. Back when I was still in journalism, I, you know, I took it upon myself to kind of, and I think all journalists go through this at some point is to write the great American novel, right? But I, you know, I don't know, I guess, I don't know what the reasoning is, but for some reason I chose sci-fi. And I think it mainly has to do with just my interest in that genre, just the fact that I like reading it, that I like watching movies about it, you know? And so I, 
And I apologize. I should have gone through to uh, refresh my memory about what all it was about. But basically, oh, okay. it was. But <laughs> anyway, yeah. It basically, there were there were two there were two novels. There are two books that were related to each other that were that were um, in sequence that had to do with the dystopian future. And so I put those out. You know, just basically to say I did it. You know, I haven't really seen any success from that. No money. I'm not going to be retiring anytime soon. So, you know, it's it's all good. I just, you know, I just wanted to do it. And I have not yeah. had time since to do any more. I'd like to write some more, though, mm-hmm. at some point. But, you know, throughout my life, I've, and with regard to the charity work, throughout my life, I've been really health conscious. But, I mean, in the last few years, it's kind of become a lot more... I've been taking it a lot more seriously. And and in the last year in particular, I, I've started running a lot more frequently. And, you know, starting last November, I, I ran my first 5K. That was in support of the arts and the Coachella community. And that was really cool because it was a Dia de los Muertos uh, themed event. So, you know, you had all these people that had the, the face makeup on while they were mm-hmm. running and stuff. So that was kind of cool. And, you know, I kind of got the bug after that. I, I, uh, I'm like, I want to do more races and I want to take running more seriously. And I hired a coach and, you know, and so I'm kind of learning training and, and, uh, trying to get better at it. And so just today I ran something called the 5k dog jog for the Redlands chamber of commerce. And that's raising funds for the Redlands animal shelter for adoption and rescue. So these runs, they all support various charities and, I love being a part of that, but I also like the competitive nature and the camaraderie among people that believe in, in fitness. Yeah, that's great. I'm a runner too. And running yeah. also just makes you feel really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Not well. Okay. So for, the, well, know, maybe I not during we running, running, but after. <laughs> yeah. There's that moment of, there's that moment of, of accomplishment afterwards. And then you realize, oh crap, I, pulled my muscle or, you know, I <laughs> messed up my foot or, or something like that. You know, those are, those are the not so good moments, but, mm-hmm. you know, being, being a part of the community is, is really great. You know, I, I really dig that. You know, I, I joined the YMCA uh, about a year ago. So I had somewhere to run during the hot months down here and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I run once a year during their fundraising run. So, so that's really cool. And I've got a 10 K raising money for um, it's an organization called San Bernardino community emergency response team. And they uh, train people on how to respond to disasters uh, in the San Bernardino area. So that's a, that's an event called a Turkey trot that's going to be happening on Thanksgiving day. So before I get stuffed with Turkey, I'm going to be running (laughs) six miles. So that'll be awesome. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Well, yeah. I guess we'll dive into the listener question portion of the episode. So we have about four questions for you. And one of them you kind of answered already. So the, this question was, what drew you to writing a science fiction novel as opposed to other genres like nonfiction or uh I guess, whatever other genres you can think of. But, right. you know, if you decide to write an- another novel, do you think you'll probably stick to sci-fi? I don't know. I've actually mm-hmm. toyed with the idea of writing romance, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. I think that's weird. And <laughs> I just, okay. And, and let me explain why I okay. say that. The, the reason I think it's weird is because I, you know, I think of like, what if I write something like that and my mom finds it in the store and reads it? <laughs> 
I would feel really, really weird about that and a little disturbed at the same time. And I realized that a lot of these gals that write romance novels, they use they use pseudonyms and stuff like that, but I would still feel weird about it. So, yeah. And then nonfiction is great because that's the genre to be in. I, you know, when you look at these agent listings and whatnot and, and what they're looking for, it's nonfiction all over the place because yeah. they want people to be experts in something mm. or they want people who are famous to give their wisdom to the world and stuff like that. Right. Well, the thing is, is like nobody really cares about anything that, that I, <laughs> except, you know, you, you care about what I'm doing, but I mean, um, <laughs> but I'm not, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not an expert in anything. I don't have a PhD in something, you know, sure. I mean, what I did think about doing for a while there was I was thinking about teaming up with some of my ex-journalism friends and kind of writing a guide on how to escape journalism because mm. I thought that was really relevant in the time and there were no other there were no other writers who had written about that. Mm. But the fact is I still don't have time to do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully That's journalists fair. will figure out how to do that on yeah. their own. I guess the the next question that we have from a listener is does working in communications make songwriting easier? Well, I think that what's cool about writing in different ways throughout the day, it kind of, it makes your brain really nimble and flexible. So if you find your mind blocked on a specific, like let's say you have a song in front of you, you have the, the music set in front of you and you have a subject in mind, but your mind is just completely blank. I mean, having all of that other skill set it kind of it, it leaves you flexible and leaves your mind wide open to for ideas to come in i think that's what's great about having that other part of my life mm-hmm. working in working in public relations being a musician i think all these things kind of work hand in hand yeah and then you know something that i do to kind of accentuate that is i'm a big believer in uh, meditation as well to kind of keep keep your mind open to to new ideas and and always be on the lookout for ideas as well so they all work hand in hand in my opinion yeah that's wonderful well that the next question that we have related to music is do you have any it it specifically says who are who are some of your rock women idols i guess just like women in music that you look up to or you could talk about anyone in music that you um you know are inspired by so here's so here's the here's the thing when i was in high school i just could not stand female vocalists everybody was into you know and this is going to be showing everyone my age but you know everyone was into pat benatar and stuff like that and i just couldn't stand i was like you know i was into i was into male vocalists really aggressive male vocalists and so i just you know i wasn't into to female vocalists and it wasn't until i became one that i started to have an appreciation for them Mm -hmm. and so over the years i've learned to uh i've become a big fan of a lot of of different uh singers including joan jett you know, uh, Chrissy Hines from The Pretenders, Duro Pesh from a band called Warlock, you know, Anne Boleyn from this 80s band called Hellion. I'm, I'm, I'm cr- crossing my fingers that I'm, I'm going to get a chance to interview her in a couple of months for mm-hmm. my uh, previous employer on a freelance basis. So that's really cool. You know, I mean, the fact is, is that all of these girls are in or these women are in a in an industry that's still male dominated mm-hmm. and um, and they're still sticking to their guns and 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 seeing success. And I think that's really awesome. 
That's great. And um, actually, a funny story, maybe not a funny story, but in, <laughs> like when I was preparing for this interview and, you know, when we put out um, our call for listener questions on social media, we usually take a, a screen cap or a film still from a movie that's kind of related to the guest that's going to be on the show. So in, in, in your case, I was trying to find a movie about like uh, like a female metal singer and I yeah. couldn't find one. Like there are movies about women in rock and roll, women in punk rock, but I couldn't yeah. find like a, a female metal, like a movie about a female <laughs> metal singer. I so I, yeah, so I ended up using a, a photo of um, I think her name was Tia Carrera from Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and people loved it. <laughs> She's Asian, too. Yeah, yeah. there you go. So, but that was the only photo I could find of, like, a woman kind of in, like, a, like a rock and roll band, like, leading a rock here's, and roll band. Here, here's the irony of that, right? So she was in that movie, and they portray her as this, you know, hard rock, badass female singer. But the fact is, is, like, she actually had an album in real life, I understand, and it was just completely pop music, <laughs> you know? And so it's like... <laughs> yeah. What a, what a way to give false advertising. Uh-huh. But, you know, she's she, she's hot and she's awesome and talented. So, uh-huh. you know, yeah. go, go Tia Career. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, the, the last uh, listener question we have is, if you weren't working in your current role, uh, what other types of work would you be interested in? You know, the thing is, it's like, I, I'm good at writing. I've, that's that's been my thing. And you know, in order to jump into something else, I would pretty much have to go back to college. And I think, um, I don't know, I could, you know, the thing is, I, I see people that are reinventing themselves in community college and four year universities all the time. And these are people that some of them are in, in their 60s, even. But it's, yeah. it's a hard world out there. Employers want people who are millennials and in their 30s, and they, they don't want much money and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think by, if I were to like win the lottery or something like that, I would probably choose to go work for a nonprofit, handling marketing, public relations types of things, helping them make good decisions to you know, become successful and get the word out on their product or their service. Mm-hmm. That's what I think I would be interested in doing. Cool. And so it really doesn't answer the question because it's the same line of work. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Well, if if going back to school, like just say if you could do it all over again, would you would you go down the same path? I, I've thought about that a lot because mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would. The thing is, even though I, you know, spent 18 years of my life not really making my money's worth from that bachelor's degree I earned. The joke I tell, it's not really a joke, but the, the thing I tell people is my best friend from high school didn't complete his bachelor's degree and he's making six figures over in China working as a business consultant. But I don't regret what I went through to get to where I am. You know, I went through 18 years of really hard journalism and I see that as life experience that's helped me to become, you know, better as a, you know, as a person, as a professional. I, I think that I learned a lot by going through that. Would I have majored in something different? Maybe. Um, and then spent less time in journalism and, and moved into PR earlier. I think that if I had the benefit of knowing, if I had that, that projection and, and knowing that journalism was going to be uh, an industry that would struggle as much as it has, I probably would have jumped out of journalism earlier. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, that just it kind of makes me think about my career too. So I've been a designer for the last like 15-ish years. And my, I remember when I, when I first started working in design, my dream job was to work for, at the time I was living in Irvine, so my dream design job was to work for OC Weekly. <laughs> as That's their, a cool newspaper. Yeah, as their designer. And then beyond mm-hmm. that, I was like, it would be really cool to be a designer for a magazine, which mm-hmm. at this, at this point, a lot of magazines are struggling and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, if that wasn't, if the publishing world... Uh, was in a better position. I think that that was a dream job for a lot of people, but now it's kind of dying. You you, you dodged a bullet. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was that was my dream job when I was in college. I wanted to be a rock journalist because I was mm-hmm. so you know enamored by all of these musicians and stuff. And and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to be you know just kind of be out there and and live through them, you know, their success vicariously and write about mm-hmm. you know write about their adventures and their and their dreams and ambitions and things like that. But, you know, now I look at things and it's like, that would have been a really hard life. Yeah. You know, but OC yeah. Weekly is cool because that guy, um, God, what's his name? I want to say his name is Ariano or. Oh, Gustavo that? Ariano. Yeah. He's my Mexican. favorite. Yeah. I love that column. That, <laughs> yeah. That, that dude is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I had his book and uh, one of his books and it just, mm-hmm. it's just so funny. You know, I I mean, somebody who could find their niche like that and get and get the perfect audience like you, you know, um, you know, having this podcast focused on on women, you know, uh, with interesting careers. I mean, that's that's super cool. If you can if you can draw an audience or any, you know, for something that's your niche that you are something you're passionate about. I think that is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I guess um, the, the one of the last things I like to ask my guests is, uh, what what are you looking forward to this week? Hey, so I thought about that too, and uh, gosh, I mean, you know, the the obviously the pressing thing is is Tuesday is our uh, is our is our general election mm-hmm. and uh, or our, our election, and it's exciting. It's an exciting time for us at the at the community college I serve because we have a bond on the ballot, and this is something that our our department has worked really hard to get the word out on to educate public about because it will basically mean that we'll be able to offer awesome programs to our students. We'll be able to build new classrooms. I mean, our campus has buildings that were, you know, that that were built in the 1960s. You know, I mean, a lot of upgrades needed. Mm -hmm. You know, we're really excited to see what the outcome is on, on that, uh, bond measure. I think that would be the thing that I'm most excited about this coming week. Cool. And uh, this episode will air on Tuesday as well. So it'll be the day that everyone's well, voting. <laughs> is, it, is, so, is it after the polls close or? Oh, it'll be or... before. It'll be, be. Yeah. So this, this will go live Tuesday morning. So Monday or tu- Monday or Tuesday at midnight. Uh, yeah. Early Tuesday morning. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody, go vote. <laughs> Don't sit on your ass and eat donuts. Go out and vote. Or take your donut with you. <laughs> take your donut with you and vote. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, beyond uh, voting, is there anything else that you would like to plug or any resources that you would like to share with people? Basically, as I mentioned earlier, the band, the doom metal band that I'm in, Stitch and Crown, we're putting out a full, we're expected to put out a full release in the spring 2019 with some uh, 
local and possibly out-of-state shows, look for us at stygiancrown.bandcamp.com. Um, additionally, the tribute band I'm in is called Without Warning. We're located on the internet at withoutwarningrocks.com. Uh, we currently do not have any shows scheduled, but that will change in the near future. Those are the two things I was hoping cool. to let people know about. Awesome. Well, uh, Melissa, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Tatiana. I appreciate it. Well, to learn more about Melissa and other topics we've covered on the episode, head over to our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com, where you can also listen to the previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Today's recipe was butternut squash and carrot soup. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stay tuned for episodes every other Tuesday. Take care, everyone.